fact is, it is the will of God for us to be healed, healthy, and whole. A great expression of this we can find in Scripture. Go with me in your Bibles real quickly, again, to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, just real quickly. And, And this is just, if someone challenged you on the will of God, uh, regarding healing, this is a great area of Scripture. Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 40. Now a leper came to him, Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him. And see, this is my point. People are going to say to you, okay, if you are willing, you can make me clean. People are going to say, is it really the will of God? How do I know? Well, this question was asked. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Who is he talking to? Who is he talking to? He's talking to Jesus. Who's the healer? Jesus is the healer, right? If you are willing, you can make me clean. In verse 41, then Jesus moved with compassion. He was really touched by this. It impacted him stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, I've mentioned this to you before in teaching without going into detail. Remember, who is this guy that came up to him? What was the disease he had? Leprosy. Is that one you just go around hugging somebody? (laughs) Think about this. So Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him. I'm telling you guys, (laughs) talk about actions being powerful. Jesus reached out his hand and touched this leper. And I imagine he might have kept his hand on him for a moment and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. In verse 42, as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The fact is this, it is, always has been, and always will be, that the will of God is that man be healthy and whole. God has no desire in any shape, way, or form to see us any other way. And that is the way we need to see things. That is the only thought we allow in our thinking when it comes to um, this particular area. The reason I say these things and where we're going to go tonight is because it often gets challenged. Uh, People will say, because of their circumstance and what they went through. And they will use their life as an example. Well, we prayed, we believed, and this didn't happen exactly like that. The fact is we cannot judge God's word based on our experiences. That's, that's a heavy statement, but it's very important and one I repeat once in a while. We can never judge God or his word by our experiences. How many <laughs> understand what I'm saying? Our experiences are skewed. That, that we don't have all the answers. Do you have all the answers? There's a lot of missing it. We say, well, we prayed, Pastor. We prayed for this person and we believed and we didn't see the results we thought we would see. Well, does that mean God's a liar? No. We don't understand the circumstances involved. Maybe the person we were praying for was saying, Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. But in their heart, they really didn't believe. Or 
they were saying things opposite that when you left the room, or they're harboring unforgiveness. There could be a list of a million things that could be blocking the power of God from working. But what we need to understand is God and His Word are faithful. He always is faithful to His Word. And if we stand on His Word, why do we teach this so often, so consistently in this church? Is because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, and God requires us to grow and mature. When the Bible talks about just going out and laying hands on people and seeing them healed and whole, in a lot of cases that is talking about reaching out to people who don't know any better. How many believe that Jesus loves people, right? He wants to reach people. And one way to do that is how many believe that people are going to pay attention when people start getting healed? So isn't that a great way for Jesus to get attention, to draw people in, right? But as we grow, as we mature as believers, just like a child is required to what? As they grow, they take on more and more responsibility. You and I are required by faith to receive from the Lord as we grow and we develop. And our faith should grow stronger and be more developed as time goes on. Well, God requires us to trust Him in His Word and not just say, well, I'll just have so-and-so pray for me, you know, and it's a real easy thing. I just go, how so and so pray for me? Now, if I lay hands on the sick, does the Bible say they'll recover? Right? So if we lay hands on one another, are we going to recover? Now, recovery, though, l- listen to what I said. Are we going to recover? Recover means what? A process of time. There's some level of time there. We're believing God, and if I lay my hands on you, that you are going to recover. You are absolutely going to recover. How long it takes to get that recovery, a lot of it is going to be involved in your faith. Your faith. For example, if I lay hands on you, and then you're bad-mouthing everything from you know, sun up to sundown regarding that pain in your body or whatever it might be, is that going to make it hard for things to work? <laughs> yeah, you're not agreeing. You're not staying faithful and consistent. Why do we teach it all the time? So that you're getting this inputting you constantly. Why? To keep your big trap shut when it comes to saying something negative. To catch your tongue and say, I don't want to say that. Right? If you don't hear this often enough, though, what will happen? You'll slip and you'll say things and you'll do things you normally wouldn't say or do because you're not hearing it all the time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The more we start talking about any topic and we stay on there, what happens to you in your life? you become more aware of the Word of God in that area of your life. And it doesn't happen if you just preach it once. If you just preach it once and let it go for six months, you might do pretty good for a few days, a week, maybe a couple of weeks, but what will eventually happen? You begin to slide because you're not hearing it. And then when something happens in your body, instead of glorifying God that the Word's working, (laughs) you, you start saying a lot of things you normally wouldn't say regarding whatever, you know. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's important that we hear things all the time. When we stop this series, which we probably will in the next week or so, remember, get in the Word. Continue to feed yourself. You've heard me say this time and time again, that if you'll feed your heart when you don't, if your mouth will feed your heart when you don't need it, right now you might be okay, everything is good, then your heart will feed your mouth when you do need it. And so 
don't just let things go just because we change topic. Keep on feeding on those areas. Try to make a point. Maybe have one scripture every week on healing that you meditate throughout the week, that you make a confession and you just kind of keep that up and just slowly just keep on feeding. You know, how many agree that you've got to have a balanced diet? You can't just have heavy on one thing because eventually it'll catch up with you. Steaks are great, but I don't need one every night, you know. I'd like to have one probably every night, but I don't need one every night. Why? i got to have some broccoli here and there. Y- y'all understand what I'm saying? You've got to have, I need some fruit here and there. I need some dairy here and there. I need a little bit of this here and there. So what I'm saying is don't just let it go, okay? Or what will happen, whatever the mineral, whatever the vitamin, whatever that thing you needed from that particular thing, you'll become anemic in. You'll become very weak in, and you don't want that. That's when the devil comes and takes advantage of us. All right, all that said and done was for free. There's your appetizer. All right, go with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. We're going to bounce around a little bit tonight. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. <laughs> Excellent scripture to start uh, for, the, for another week, just, just uh, confessing this one and meditating on it. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed. Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. There's so much in this little verse that, that, is, that we can uh, take from. Um, the fact is we see here that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So God set him, God had called him and God had given him what he needed to do what? Well, the Bible says he went about with this power, with this direction of the Holy Spirit. He went about what? Doing good and healing all. Doing good and healing all. Everybody say it with me. He went about doing good and healing all. Now, that tells me healing is good, okay? He went about doing good and healing all, but notice what it says. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Healing all. See, earlier we read that Jesus said, I am willing, be cleansed. I am willing. I want you healed and whole. Here we see that he went about doing good and healing all. All. Everybody that desired healing that ran into Jesus could, could get it. I mean, he, if, if it was available, okay? Now, if they didn't get it, it wasn't Jesus' fault, all right? But the fact is, is that he went about doing good and healing all. In other words, all. That is a good thing. He didn't heal some. He didn't heal a certain category. He didn't heal, heal those who gave real good in the uh, synagogue. He didn't. He, he healed all. All. Everybody say all. All right. All. Now, there's another part here that I want to focus on tonight. And that is healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Who were oppressed by the devil. I want to call my message tonight the source of sickness who are oppressed by the devil. What does oppression mean? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary, and it means to keep someone down. That just right there is an excellent description. To keep someone down, um, to make them subservient. Uh, What's uh, the other one? Especially by the unjust exercise of authority. So in other words, that's a, a perversion of authority using it to keep someone down. 
the best way I can think of is like a bully, okay? The bully, maybe this big guy in, in school, and he's bigger than everybody else, and so he uses that what? Well, he's already got esteem issues in himself, so he uses, he may not be more powerful than everybody else, but he acts like he is. He's, maybe he whooped up one kid and it got around school, and so everybody leaves him alone now, and so now he can go around terrorizing other kids. Not because he necessarily has a lot of power, but he's coming off like he did. And the fact is, why does he do that? He does that to oppress others, to keep them down, okay? To keep them down. Well, Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy in our life. And now we're talking about sickness tonight. Jesus came to set us free from Satan, sin, and sickness. And that's where we get the idea of the source of sickness. Well, this is an important thing we need to be reminded of on a consistent basis because, again, uh, our thinking, the world is always pressing these things or religious statements. You never know. Or, you know, uh, what's, what's the famous one um, with uh, God and mystery? What's the, the one they're always saying? Yeah, God works in mysterious ways. Well, I don't know. It's pretty clear here to me in the Word of God. He, he works. In other words, he's pretty open about everything he does. But they'll say God works in mysterious ways. Why do people say things like that? Why do they blame God instantly on things? Ignorance. They don't know, and so it's easy to blame God because, after all, God's not here defending himself. God's not. In other words, you can't see God. It's like, it's like me asking someone, um, man, I, I really need some help. Uh, and the minister helps, and I would really appreciate it if you would, you would help in this area. And I walk up to someone, and, and I'm, I'm fairly confident about what I'm saying, and they say, well, pastor, i uh, tell you what, let me pray about it, and I'll tell you what the Lord tells me. Now, what is that code for? I don't want to do it, and I'm going to tell you the Lord told me that he didn't want me to do it. Now, they'll use some real religious words, but... Um, why do they do that? Because what am I going to do? Tell them they don't hear God? How am I going to respond to that? You know, in other words, they pull what I'm going to call the God card out. And when they pull the God card out, there's no argument. It's done. I mean, after all, are you going to tell me that I don't hear God, Pastor? Is that what you're saying? So in other words, they'll pull something like that. Well, what it reality is, they don't want to do anything. And so they use that. They use God to hide behind. Didn't Adam do that with his wife, Eve? Had to hide behind a skirt she didn't have. <laughs> the fact is, though, is that, that people will pull God out as the excuse or the reason. What do we call a, a severe, um, you know, a tornado and what's behind it? An act of God. That's what they'll put on the insurance. Why? Because they don't know what the Word says. They, they're ignorant, and so it's easy to blame God. God is just out there, and God is not defending himself. God is not coming back at us and saying something, right? He could if he wanted to. Did you ever think about God could come out and say, I'm going to show you right now my Word's true and do something real serious right then. Could he not? 
Absolutely good. But see, that isn't the way he designed things. That isn't the way he wants things. How many believe a lot of people would get on their knees if God just did some amazing thing right in front of him? But see, they only did it because he did the amazing thing. They didn't, did it. They didn't do it because they trusted him and the Holy Ghost was involved. So God obviously has a method to the way he wants to do things and how he wants to process things, and we just have to trust him in that. But the reason I'm talking about these kind of things on a routine basis is to remind us of what we already know. To be remind, how many know? I mean, you need to be reminded to walk in love. You need to be reminded to be patient, right? You need to be reminded to, and you fill in the blank. Okay, we need to be constantly reminded. All right, and so let's go over a few things when we're talking about the source of sickness, and that is sickness is not a gift, and these things will help you minister to someone else and that's part of my goal is to teach you to remind you so that you can counteract someone else when they come against you because you ever been one of those things where blah 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 they're 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 drilling you left and right you don't even know what to say or where to begin or how to start well this is some of the the information like for example they asked you about the will of god regarding healing where do you go mark chapter one says right there now if they say well i just don't choose to believe that well Tell them it won't work for you anyway, so don't worry about it. Why are we even talking about it? I don't want to argue with you. If you're going to tell me, if we read plainly the word of God and someone says, well, I just don't choose to believe that, end of conversation, move on. You know, just shut up about it. Because why are you keep on yapping and talking if they already told you don't believe God's word? And I'm, I'm done. I mean, you know, game over. Because if they don't believe that, what makes you think they're going to believe something you say? You know, right? Amen. All right. <laughs> All right. Sickness is not a gift. Now, there are some that would teach us that God uses sickness to teach his children. And they can even come up with some really good stories about how um, they would react. Again, what, what they usually would do is what? Use a personal illustration of how God taught them something when something bad happens. For example, somebody, a guy lives, uh, he's married, um, he's got a family, and, and he lives any old way he wants to. He doesn't go to church, maybe his wife does, but he does what he wants to do the way he wants to do it, and he believes that you know God's all okay with that, and he does his thing. And uh, maybe he runs around a little bit, who knows what he does, and all of a sudden he gets in a car accident, and he's this close to death, he aims, he survives it, but he realized death is right there and everything in his life could have instantly changed and so he gets right with God because he realizes how serious life is and then he says, well, thank God that God allowed that accident to happen to me, that God put me in that situation so now I would serve him. He had a purpose in that accident, you know? And maybe in the accident something did happen. Maybe they broke their leg or something like that. And that broken leg reminds me of the goodness of God and the grace of God and how I can survive and serve the Lord. Now, I'm not making fun of anybody. But there are, are many people that would, they literally have entire uh, evangelistic missions based on the bad things that happen to their body and how, how, how God taught them through that. Now, can a situation in life teach you something? Absolutely. 
I mean, even in that accident, if you all came this close to losing your life, well, you might reevaluate how you live your life, right? That doesn't mean God caused the accident. You understand what I'm saying? If, if the accident already happened or something already happened, could God use the circumstance of the situation to maybe lean you a certain direction? Sure. Why not? I mean, why not take advantage of it? But there's a fine line between saying God caused that accident or God used that situation. He put me in that situation and then used it to teach me. Fine line. But if the accident's already done, it's already done, right? So why not take advantage of the situation and turn things around? But there's a big difference between being the source. Everybody get that word? The source of the situation. The source of the sickness. And that's what we're talking about, okay? And when we're talking about the source of sickness, and sickness is not a gift. God does not use sickness or disease. He does not put us in certain situations to teach us something. In other words, that would be child abuse, all right? And God's not into child abuse, all right? You would never use sickness or disease. You would never teach your kid about the power of flames by putting their hand in flames, would you? You'd never do that. We'd lock you up for that. Well, God's no different. God is a good God. Well, how do we know that? Well, look with me real quickly to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And this is a great way to share this with someone if someone said, well, yeah, but God used this situation. God um, caused this, and therefore He used this. No, 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 no. James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What does God the Father give His children? What does the Bible say here? Every good gift, every perfect gift, right? That's what He gives us. That's the gift He gives us. Good and perfect gifts, right? Can we all agree on that? Isn't that what the Bible says? Now let me ask you a question. How many would consider sickness, disease, or pain a good and perfect gift? Not in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) No way, okay? Sickness, disease, or pain would not in any way line up with this scripture that says God gives us good and perfect gifts. In other words, that's a gift you you don't want. (laughs) That's a gift you'd return. You don't want anything to do with it. So let me make this statement. No person in their right mind would consider sickness a good and perfect gift. And good and perfect gifts are what our Father gives us. The Bible doesn't say He gives us good and perfect gifts and sickness, disease, and so on and so forth to teach us something. All right, He gives us good and perfect gifts. Your Heavenly Father loves you and only has good gifts to offer you. All right, now I'm going to back this up, okay? I said He only has good and perfect gifts to, to offer you. He doesn't offer you anything bad, right? Would he ever offer you anything bad in any way, shape, or form? I want you to listen closely to this. I'm going to read this. You can write it down if you want. Luke 11, 11 through 13. Please do not turn there. All right? Just write it down. Luke 11, 11 through 13. I'm going to read this out of the Weymouth. But again, I want you to think about the good and perfect gift. Okay? God giving us something. All right? And one father is there among you who 
if his son asks for a slice of bread, will offer him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will instead offer him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will offer him a scorpion? If you then, with all your human frailty, know how to give your children gifts that are good for them, how much more certainly will your Father who is in heaven give? Now he was talking about the Holy Spirit here, but the point is this, is that would he ever exchange something for something bad? Never. No earthly father would do that in their right mind, and certainly not God the Father. He's never going to change something from good to bad to teach us something. He only gives us good gifts. He doesn't have any bad gifts to give us. All right? Only good. What this scripture is saying is God's never going to do anything that would harm us. Our Father would never do anything that would hurt us in any way, shape, or form. He only has good intentions for us. He only wants good. Now, Jesus said that the Father gives us what we ask for. He doesn't give us sickness when we ask for healing. You understand? He doesn't teach us something with sickness when we ask for healing. The Father would never do anything to harm us on any level. You really need to meditate on that. Now, I want you to consider this. This is just a thought. If Satan is the author of sickness, which we would agree, right? Satan is the author of sickness, and it was God's will to use sickness to teach us, then that means that God is working with Satan. Now, right there, you'd say, whoa, no way. How many would agree with me? If Satan is the author of sickness, he's the one behind it, he's the source, and, the, and, and we could somehow believe that God uses sickness to teach us something, that means God the Father has to use Satan to get his will done on earth. He has to use the devil in our lives. In other words, Satan is part of the will of God. That's absolutely absurd, isn't it? Absolutely absurd. In other words, God does not need Satan to do anything to accomplish his will in our lives. And Satan is all about sickness and disease, as we'll get into a little bit more. So Jesus came to do the will of God. Jesus did good and healed all those who were oppressed by the devil. Now look with me real quickly. Go to John 10.10. John 10.10. Very familiar scripture. But again, I'm, I'm doing this to kind of just cause you guys to look them up again, to kind of review them. Remember, Satan is the source of sickness. John 10.10. The thief, talking about the devil, does not come. Make sure everybody's there. John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Guys, we can hear this so often we let it slide. We, we don't, we're not really focused on it. Look at what that scripture says again. The thief does not come. What's the only reason the thief comes? The only reason is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus saying, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So Jesus is contrasting his work in the earth and what he's doing with the devil. Okay, he's making it very clear to us who's who. Okay, we we can see the ultimate uh, 
destruction, for example, in something. But he's pointing at the source of that destruction. When it comes to healing, something has to behind it, be behind it. He's pointing at that, okay, saying, I'm the source behind the healing. He's the source behind the destruction, behind the sickness or disease. Now, we agree here, right? The devil's the thief, right? He's the thief. What does the thief do? What is the thief's only purpose? Steal, kill, destroy. Everybody say it again. Steal, kill, destroy. Say it one more time. Steal, kill, destroy. Now, what does sickness do? Steals, kills, destroys. Right, steals your energy, your time, your money. It destroys families. It distracts us from focusing on the call and purpose of God. In other words, it's so simple, it stares at us to share this with others. That if you, how many would agree that someone you're talking to sharing this with, it'd be hard for them to deny? You're walking it through it, and we both agree, steal, kill, destroy. So what does sickness do? Did sickness ever give me life in it more abundantly? No, it's doing the absolute opposite. It's so simple to see this. Absolutely no good comes from sickness. Now, when we say absolutely no good comes from sickness, then how can you use sickness as a tool? No good comes from it. No good comes from it, okay? Jesus is the life giver, and Satan is the one that attempts to be the life taker every single time. Satan is the source of sickness. Listen to this statement. Satan uses sickness to assist in fulfilling his agenda, which is only to steal, kill, and destroy. All right? I'm not necessarily saying Satan created sickness, okay? Sickness, by default, is a part of the fall of man and sin. Remember? Sin created a whole slew of issues and problems. Uh, with sin and death and the law of sin and death coming into the earth. But the fact is, he uses that sickness. He's behind it. He's, let's put it this way. If sickness were a fire, he's the one fanning the flame. Okay? He, he is promoting it. He is pushing it. Okay? He is behind it. Now, why did Jesus come? We established why Satan, what's his agenda? Steal, kill, and destroy. So why did Jesus come? To give us life and to give us that life more abundantly. The Amplified says, I came that they may, and in, now I want you guys to listen to this. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in the abundance to the full till it overflows. And the New Living, it says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life. If you're sick and filled with pain, are you enjoying a life that is rich, overflowing, abundant, and satisfying? If you're constantly fighting sickness and disease, and there's a lot of pain in your body, you cannot be fully enjoying life. Now, can someone move past that in faith? Sure. I mean, I'm not suggesting that if someone, or Christian, for example, that is fighting sickness and disease in their life, and there's racked with pain, not enjoy life at all, I'm saying, can they fully enjoy life? No. Why? Because this thing is always nagging them. It's always bothering them. Maybe it's some sort of disease that doesn't allow them to walk. 
Can you fully enjoy life without walking? I mean, there's some things you're going to miss out on, aren't you? If you were blind, if you couldn't smell, if you couldn't hear, right? These are things that are going to hold back. Now, can they still have a full life? Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe with the joy of the Lord is their strength. They can supersede that. And I think there's a lot of people in faith fighting horrible, horrible things that do better job than some of the Christians I've seen that just are always whining about life. And they're physically fine. Isn't that sad? I mean, they're, they're married, they're paying their bills, and they're still sad sacks. I mean, they're still walking around moping, you know? That's not the way things should be. Listen, when we think of enjoying life, satisfied and overflowing, abundant life, we picture what? A healthy body, don't you? You picture someone healthy and strong, right? Healthy and strong. Not, not full of disease, not full of sickness, not full of pain. So now, I don't know why the Lord just prompted me on this, but I want you to listen closely. Can someone who maybe is going through a challenge, no matter what, even if the, doc, if the doctor said, well, this can't happen, this can't happen, and this can't happen, and they're doing okay, but maybe they're not completely normal, can that situation be turned around? Absolutely. Don't tell me that the devil is stronger than Jesus. Don't tell me that his ability to steal, kill, and destroy is stronger than the life of God. The life of God, listen to me, the very life of God, and, and, and the word even put it in abundance. In, in other words, it's overflowing, can fix anything, can change anything, because the life of God is God. Is God alive? So does he have life? So what are we talking about when we talk about the life of God? The life of God. In other words, there's nothing that cannot be turned around. But if you don't agree with the Word of God, if you don't talk like that, and you always make exceptions for certain people because they're in certain situations, can God override that? What's the one thing the one thing that the power of God cannot overcome. Anybody? The, the will. God won't override your will. But what's the other thing? The way man believes. In other words, it, <laughs> listen carefully. If you say, I don't believe that, it won't work. It won't work. But if you will say, you know what? Lord, help my unbelief. Help me grow in that area to where I can see a full... Listen, God doesn't want something halfway healed. He wants it fully healed, fully functional, 100%. You understand? And I wouldn't stop in faith until that's what I saw. I wouldn't let go until I saw the full manifestation. That's for someone in the room, maybe more than one. But I'm telling you, that's something that you need to grab a hold of. Listen carefully. Let's go to 1 John 3.8 real quick. I think that's the last one I'm going to... Well, no, one more. Actually, go to Luke 13 and 1 John. So 1 John chapter 3, and just stick your finger in Luke chapter 13. The fact is this in what we've looked at so far. 
Satan brings sickness. Jesus brings abundant, healthy life. Isn't that, isn't that simple? Satan brings sickness. Jesus brings abundant, healthy life. Did the, the sickness come from you not obeying God? It could open a door, but it doesn't mean that God did anything with it. You understand what I'm saying? God doesn't, where does sickness come from? Satan brings sickness. Everybody say it with me. Satan brings sickness. Okay, now can you open the door to Satan by disobeying God? Can you open the door to the devil by uh, having a bad attitude, by not walking in love, by um, uh, uh, holding a grudge against someone, by not forgiving, right? You can open the door. Did God have anything to do with it? He was the one trying to tell you, get it right. Don't open that door. Get it right, right? But he didn't open the door. Always remember Sometimes we'll, we'll look at our life when bad things happen. All of you have done this, every single one of you. Bad things start happening in your life and you start looking at yourself. I wonder what I've done. I wonder what, I, I wonder what sin I've committed. I wonder where I blew it. Because all of a sudden these bad things are happening and I must have opened the door to the devil. Don't forget, can the devil try to attack you without you doing anything? Absolutely. What's the devil's goal in your life? To steal, kill, and destroy. Then why are you surprised that he's doing his job? Why are you... <laughs> now, should he win? Should he... No, he shouldn't overcome. No, we're the overcomers, okay, in this life. But the fact is, just because the devil slapped you doesn't mean he knocked you down. Just because he did something and tested you and tried to push you doesn't mean you quit and give up, Right? But don't be so shocked when a bad thing happens in your life and you start looking at, well, I wonder what I've done. You start searching your heart and you start, Lord, what have I, what have I done that this bad thing would happen to me? <laughs> Satan is being Satan, right? I mean, you never went up to a drunk and said, what's your problem? Why are you drinking, son? A drunk does what? A sinner... <laughs> So quit being so surprised. I mean, the devil does what? Steals, kills, and destroys. All right? In other words, sometimes you just smile and say, Satan doesn't like me. I must be doing something right. Right? In other words, you can have joy that, praise God, devil, do your best. You can't win, you know? In other words, the fact that you're standing out. See, remember, you've heard me say this. You start saying faith confessions, and you start going out there, and you start talking, you think, you're, you got this red big flag out there in the spirit realm, and Satan's looking at you. You've got this big faith flag you're waving around. He's like, I'll see what he's made of. And, he, and he'll send something after you to see what you're made of. You know what? You just say, I'm made of the word of God, praise God, and I'm going to be successful. 1 John 3, 8. All right. It says here, 1 John 3, 8, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. We can all agree on that. But look at the last part. For this purpose, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might, what does it say? Destroy the works of the devil. Why did Jesus come? To destroy the works of the devil. Let's all say it together. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Okay. Now he came to give us the life of God, but he also came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, let me ask you, 
what are the works of the devil? <laughs> Steal, kill, and destroy. That's right. What does sickness and disease do? Steals, kills, and destroys. In other words, we could say some of those works are sickness and disease. Some of those works are sickness and disease. The purpose of Jesus coming to the earth was to destroy the works of the devil. And praise God, he succeeded. Amen? Amen. Say, greater is he? Amen. Greater is he that is in me. Amen. That he's in the world. That's right. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 13. And let's really bring this all together real quick. All right. Sickness is a bond to the devil. Okay. We need to understand that. Let's look at a real-life illustration from the Word. Look with me at Luke chapter 13. And we're going to read verses 10 through 16. Luke 13, starting with verse 10. Everybody there? I want to make sure. Now he was teaching Jesus in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Okay, everybody say 18 years. So she's got this spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called to him, called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that good? It's good, isn't it? I mean, the Bible says, I mean, she was healed, set free 18 years. This woman was bent over and couldn't straighten up. And in just a mere second or two, when Jesus spoke to her and laid his hands on her, she's straight up and they're glorifying God. I mean, this is exciting. And I'm sure she's having a powwow. I mean, all over the place, okay? I mean, think about this for a minute. This woman has been free after 18 years. But not everybody was happy. See, just because good things happen doesn't mean religious people are going to be excited about it. And you've got to wonder what the religious people, what is their game? If they're not excited about what Jesus did, are they excited about what the devil does? I mean, what, what, what's behind that? But let's look at this here. So it says, immediately she was made straight, glorified God. Verse 14, but the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. In other words, he was angry and upset. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath. Well, the Lord got a quick reply in here that we need to get a hold of. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? In other words, he's saying you feed your animals every single day. How many believe that nowhere do they just stop feeding them on the Sabbath? Okay? In other words, they got to give these things water. Notice what he says, verse 16. <laughs> so ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound? Who bound her? Clear as a bell. Jesus is making it so clear. Satan has bound, think of it, for eight years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. Now there is so much you could minister out of this section. So many ways you could go. But the point in my message without getting lost in it is Satan has bound. Who is behind the sickness and disease? Jesus made it super clear. Satan has bound this woman. 
He's behind it. Why She should be set free. She's a daughter of Abraham. She's under the covenant. In other words, Satan shouldn't have been able to do this in her life, let alone hold it for 18 years. But see, how many of you know that you're ignorant until the truth is given to you? You don't know. Well, they didn't know. A lot of them didn't know or they didn't practice what they ought to. Jesus tells us that Satan was the source of the woman's physical problem. This woman was bound up physically by an evil spirit. She was under the covenant of Abraham, and she, because of that, she should have been free from sickness and disease. So what I'm trying to say tonight is sickness is an oppression from the enemy. Satan and sickness are synonymous terms. You could say it either way. Sickness steals, kills, and destroys, and is generally a work of the devil. I'm not saying always, he's not always behind it. All right, but the fact is, most of the time he is. All right, he's behind it. Jesus came to set us free. He came to give us the very life of God so that we could be healthy and whole and strong and have that abundant life. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus went about, think about this, he came to destroy the works of the devil. What were the works? Stealing, killing, destroying. What does sickness and disease do? Steals, kills, and destroys. Jesus went about doing good in healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So, again, the source of sickness is who? It all comes down to Satan. Amen? And we need to deal with that. Deal with the devil. Tell him to let go. You have no right to hold whoever, especially if they're born again child of God. But you, as a child of God, listen to me, and you have the name of Jesus, I don't care if they're not born again. That's why I tell you, be bold when you deal with someone out there. You meet someone at, at wherever, around town, and they start telling you about, oh, I got this, and oh, I go, go, you know, got that. Then say, can I pray for you right now? Jesus will heal you. And see, sometimes we don't want to say the Jesus will heal you part. Because what if it doesn't happen? <laughs> Is Jesus the healer? He's just looking for someone to listen, be the vessel. He needs you. And he needs you to use his name. His name is above every name. And that includes every sickness, every disease, every foul thing the devil could, could throw. So you be bold and you declare, listen to me, I'm going to pray for you and lay hands on you and Jesus is going to heal you. Just like that. Just, I, mean, I mean, just say, I'm going to lay hands on you and you're going to be well. You're going to call me back in just a little bit and tell me things are better. And make sure you give me your number. And see, when they call back and say, now listen, would you like to hear more of that kind of stuff? Would you like to see how you can live your life that way? Well, come to Thrive Family Church. But see, you'll get a lot more out of it if they got healed after you prayed than you just begging them to come to church and say, well, pastor, lay hands on you and you'll get healed. Hey, you want a healing? Go to church. No, you pray for them, they get healed. Then invite them to church. Am I right? That's how Jesus would get the crowds, guys. You want to get the crowds. You want to get people. Then pray for them and allow the power of God to work. How many of you know you're not the healer? But Jesus said, if you lay hands on the sick, what will happen? They will recover. There's no question about it. And they don't even have to have a lot of faith in it. You believe it, don't you? Say, I'm a believer. Now, what's my job? No. <laughs> She's paying attention. What's my job as a believer? To believe and to do it. And so Jesus said, I'm a believer, so if I do it, it's going to happen. 
And I'm telling you guys, you'd just be that bold. I mean, just, you know, your head might be saying, oh, dear Lord, I'd rather be anywhere than right here. I'd rather be doing it. You just, just do it, declare it. I'm telling you what, God will show up on the scene. You think God's going to leave you hanging? How many of you believe God wants to reach their life more than you do? But he needs someone to do it. And quit, you know, quit whining about it. I mean, quit, well, I don't know if it'll work, you know. Dear Lord, it ain't going to work for you doing that. I mean, just get in there. And I mean, I, you know what the best thing to do is pray for him before your brain has time to think. <laughs> just start doing it before. In fact, grab a hold of him. In the name of Jesus, I command that whatever it is. And I mean, before you even have a chance to, to, to regret the idea that you might have done it. And then when you rejoice and say, Father, I just thank you for boldness. And then they'll give you a call later and say, you're not going to believe this. You say, well, try me. <laughs> I believe it. But they'll say, you know, you're not going to believe that. I remember one time Larry and I, I think it was Larry, him and I were here and it was a guy working. And he was telling me how he couldn't hear out of his ears. And so I said, well, let's pray for it real quick. And spoke to his ears and put my hands on him. He didn't even make it home before he called me. You're not going to believe this, Pastor. I believe it. I mean, <laughs> I was fully expecting it. I don't expect anything less. That's what the Bible says. That's what God said. That's why we're teaching this all the time. So you get to the point that it's part of normal life. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing this a long, 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 not pastoring, but I'm talking about living a long, 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 long time. It's just part of life that when someone's not feeling well, you just pray for them, you know, or get in agreement with them, you know. Oftentimes, I'll have someone that says, get in agreement with me in Jesus' name. I'll call Larry. Just, just agree with me. You don't even need to pray. Just agree with me. And it'll be fine, and we'll get past it, and it'll be no, you know, everything will be fine. How many got better things to do than be sick? Amen? Amen. Listen, I got a good confession for you. All right, you ready? You're always hitting me up. He's always saying, man, I like those confessions, so I decided I'd write one up tonight. You ready? Everybody say this with me. Satan is the source of sickness and disease. Satan attempts to steal, kill and destroy lives through sickness and disease. Jesus came to give me his abundant life and set me free from the power of Satan, sin and sickness. I am free from Satan's oppression. By the stripes of Jesus that he took for me, I am healed and whole. I have the life of God in me. I am totally and completely free from sickness and disease.